before we start, you have one fucking day before election day. <laughs> one fucking day. So right. if you're not in a mail-in state like we are fortunate enough to be and you didn't just get to go drop off your ballot or you haven't stood in line yet, you can still do that. And we highly, 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 highly recommend voting right. this year. Please, please, please go vote. Please. Yes. So we just wanted to bring that up before we moved on. Go vote. Get creepy. <laughs> My name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we, we are the Extra Sisters. Sisters. So sit back. Relax and let's get creepy. Welcome to episode 113. It's so interesting being in the hundreds now. Mm-hmm. I'll probably say that every time I say hundred something, but at least <laughs> like 150. But And in this episode, we are going to be discussing Don't Look Now from 1973, which you heard us discuss a little bit in the 1970s, you know, 100 Years of Horror segment. But we're going to fully talk about it in this episode. So we're going to break it down and talk about our full feelings instead of just a condensed version of it. Mm -hmm. And I have a question for you, Kristen. What you got? So you put this on the list and I was just wondering, not that it was not a bad why, but why this one? It's not really something you really hear much about. Of course, it has quite the following and it's very, you know, people love it. But why did this end up on the list? What was your So just I delve into so much old horror and I had heard about Don't Look Now for years and I just hadn't gotten around to actually watching it. And I was like, this year it has to be done. We have to watch it. I want to see what's going on. Got it. And that's, well, here we are. Yeah, exactly. And of course, it made our best of list. It actually took the Exorcist spot for 1973, not because it's, you know, better or worse, just everyone knows the Exorcist is the Exorcist is the Exorcist. And it actually Mm -hmm. has a better Rotten Tomatoes score than the Exorcist does, (laughs) surprisingly enough. What is Uh, it? So Don't Look Now has a critic score of 94% and an audience score of 77%. And The Exorcist has an 83% critic score and an 87% audience score. So The Exorcist has a better audience score, but a worse critic score. And Rotten Tomatoes is very critic driven. And so typically when you talk about the Rotten Tomatoes score, what you're going to see first is the, or talk about is the critic score and the audience score kind of rides secondary to that even though the audience score like for example the 83% for the exorcist has 77 total reviews while the audience score has 420,000 so Mm. you know the audience score has a lot more weight as far as the number but the it's you have to go through a lot to get your critic on the Rotten Tomatoes they don't just let you come on and be a critic you know you have to have credentials like Kristen and I may eventually be able to get critic on Rotten Tomatoes from this podcast, but it's not like you can just run a podcast and be like, I'm a critic now. You actually have to have a fair amount of film knowledge and be able to show that to be a critic for Rotten Tomatoes. So that's typically why you see like certified fresh. That's from the critic score, not the audience score. So this one actually has a better critic score than The Exorcist does, which is why it made the list higher than The Exorcist for 1973 when we did the 100 Years of Horror 1970s part one. So interesting. 
yeah, we talked about that in the 1970s part one, but if you didn't catch that or if you have forgotten because it's November, <laughs> that's that's why. Because I think a lot of people were surprised when The Exorcist wasn't in the 1973 because, of course, The, the Exorcist is a lot more hyped. This one wasn't nearly as well known. I think that a lot of people have not heard about this one. I'm one of those people where until we were talking about, you know, the best movies of the year throughout the 100 years of the list we were doing, hadn't really heard anything about this one. So, you know, it's not as mainstream. Now, that being said, it does have a huge cult following. It didn't quite get it when it came out, but over the years, it definitely became beloved. So, and it's got some good people in it. Donald Sutherland is in it. So if you are a more recent film person or a young adult fan, he is President Snow from The Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. And you get to see his booty a lot. In this <laughs> yes, you do. So just be prepared for that. The sex scene, scene, one scene in this, it could make up for a lot of sex scenes. Yeah, you know? it's the best it's- sex scene I've ever seen. Oh my God, it's so long. <laughs> I think when I was kind of reading like a little synopsis or whatever, it was like a passionate love scene. God, is that the understatement of the story? Fuck, man. We'll get into that, though. So just some background of this film, just talking about like the history of that part. But I know you have probably some more like trivia stuff that we'll get into. But this film is about a it starts out pretty sad, uh, Mm -hmm. obviously, or does with some sort of tragic loss or especially when it's some more of a psychological thriller. That's more of what this is centered around. Or a, They actually call it a psychic thriller, not a psychological thriller. When you look at the poster for the film, it says a psychic thriller. Now, if you were to glance at it, you probably would just, your brain would probably put together psychological thriller. It mm-hmm. says literally on it, a psychic thriller, because there are psychics, a mm-hmm. psychic in it. And there are sisters that insert themselves into the lives of this grieving couple who lost a daughter to drowning, which is, that's a really horrible scene because they actually show the father going in and pulling his daughter out of this pond, which is really bad. I think also part of the psychic part that they put on there is because there are, there are things everywhere. So he's seeing all kinds of signs before his daughter actually dies of something bad is is going to happen. Like he accidentally drops water on a photograph and it starts to bleed red. And that's the sign that tells him, I'm going to go check on the children. And he finds his daughter has drowned. Yeah. His wife is even like, what's wrong? And he's like, nothing. Can you imagine being the wife and your husband's like, nothing's wrong. I'm just going to go out and check and you go out there. He's holding your dead daughter. I'd be like, oh, nothing's wrong. I I did like, (laughs) I did like that. It was the man. It's it. Right yeah. in the beginning, it is the male figure that is the psychic. And usually they like put all that on the woman. Yeah. 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 They kind of rely on the maternal instincts of a woman to naturally mm-hmm. make the woman like closer to the psychic realm, I guess, if you will, or closer to the veil of two worlds. Right. But in this one, they actually get into it later when they go to Italy because he's commissioned to work on this old church. And Before we get there. Yeah. I did want to comment when he finds his daughter and the wife, when the wife sees the daughter, you're with that horror. It's a long scene and you're with that horror of finding his dead child for a long time. It yeah. really puts you in their shoes. And I think that's a good thing that the film does throughout the whole movie. It does. Yeah. 
the only thing that I was going to mention is that kind of staying with like, he's the one is when they go to meet these or when they eventually meet these psychics in Italy, she even says like, he has a gift, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that this woman that is some sort of medium clairvoyant mentions. So he doesn't ever really acknowledge it himself until like the very end when, you know, it's kind of too late, but well, that's uh, kind of the problem. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, but I think that's most people too. Like, and I've even acknowledged this personally, you know, we've talked about it, Kristen and I even privately at length and on the podcast too, you know, I've always been much more closed off to that kind of thing because of my religious upbringing and how scary that always was for me. Not like, scary psychic things just scary religion has always been for me so Mm -hmm. anything having to do with like the unknown or possibly different realms has always just been like too scary to deal with you know (laughs) so I'm much more I would definitely be like his character like no 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 we're not fuckings with that nothing or at least for me personally like I'll fucks with a lot of shit I shouldn't fucks with you know (laughs) As far as like, oh, like a haunted house, let's fucking go. But when it comes <laughs> to like, you know, if you were to tell me like, hey, you should like open up more because something's trying to talk to you, I'd be like, no, mm-mm. I'm good, thanks. Yeah. Or like, hey, you should pay attention. That's probably a sign. Even if it's like we've talked about, you know, my father that's passed on, like, hey, that's probably a sign from your dad. I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to listen to that because, you know, it can be scary or just mm-hmm something that you don't realize if you're not paying attention so i totally get you know why he would be like nah they're fucking crazy or that's ooky you know yeah or not know but the fact that he did pay attention in the beginning and then doesn't later yeah it's it's very interesting but i guess it's like you know his kids involved in the beginning but you would think because he was right about that that he would listen more but I guess the fact that he paid attention and there was major, major trauma, like somebody died, he's like, nope, not dealing with that ever again. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I could see, I could definitely see that. And it's also interesting that he has a child die and then they just go to another country and then like their, their son and their other, they just ship him off to boarding school. They're like, not dealing with any children anymore. Let's just fuck the kids. Yeah. I kind of look at it as a way of bringing this couple back together and that's basically what the love scene shows is that this was hey mom and dad need some time away we just lost our baby so that we don't lose our marriage as well that's true i totally i can definitely see that i just you know as like you know a, a kid that's also trying to deal mm-hmm. with that like losing your sibling and then your parents yeah that part know? is sad yeah but they don't really ever talk about that that was just like a personal observation you know mm-hmm. But they do go after the, that loss. It cuts to them basically going to Venice. I believe it's Venice. It is. Canals, yeah. And he's being commissioned to work on this beautiful old church, which oh was... God, it, he has the coolest job. I was about to say, it, really have, it has a little bit to do with the story just because of some incidences that happen when he's like trying to renovate this church. But really, it's just kind of cool seeing Venice and some mm-hmm. of the architecture and what he's working on these old historic churches like that's fucking cool oh my god i'm an art historian at heart and i would have killed that fucking job oh my god yeah yeah i don't know man if something like if you ever just like have a major major career shift like (laughs) you just go over to europe and even if you were just like a lackey you know (laughs) 
I'll carry this bucket for you, sir. <laughs> like, you right, know, exactly. On all these old historical sites, you should do that. That'd be fucking cool. <laughs> but they go out to dinner or lunch or something. They're at a restaurant and these two women have this interaction with them and the wife ends up going to the bathroom with them and they're like, oh, she's a psychic and she sees your dead kid sitting with you and like laughing. And they have this whole interaction talking about their dead, her, her dead kid. And, you know, it's kind of, it reminded me, you know, especially in the seventies, I think that's weird, but now we have like Long Island medium and like all these mm-hmm. medium. Shows. So now it just be kind of like one of those interactions. Right. But even still, that's very jarring. And like, Imagine, you know, she hasn't really accepted or coped with that yet at this point. Which is a problem. Yeah. And so she talks to them about it and they're saying, no, she's laughing. She's happy. She's sitting between you having a great time, you know. And after this encounter with these sisters, she's kind of invigorated by this. And she goes back to the table and she just fucking faints. Mm Mm-hmm just passes the fuck out and they go to the hospital which i another thing that i really loved that doesn't really have anything to do with the story is the boat transportation was really cool like the ambulances and the funeral possessions all on the Mm -hmm. canal i was just a thing that was neat (sighs) but they go to the hospital and then after this like a a switch has flipped and for her you know she is into her husband again and then we get the longest sex scene i have ever seen but it's awesome because it's a love making scene it's a bring us back together scene and in between the shots of the sex there's shots of the couple afterwards getting dressed and just thinking about it yeah how amazing it was in perspective yeah yeah well and now it was it's so interesting because i even made a note of this and this isn't digging on 70s or 80s Either way, whether it's in this like love making way or just like the Friday the 13th way, I almost feel like, you know, a lot of people, I I think certain people, I think some people will understand, talk about media and movies and stuff today about how, oh my God, it's sex, sex, sex. I feel like when I go to watch 70s and 80s movies, especially maybe horror, but not necessarily, I'm much more likely to see nudity than I am watching some more modern stuff, you know? Agreed. And it's funny because if I do watch more, and again, I don't watch like rom-coms and, and romance movies very often. So I could, I'm only picking off a very specific control group here for like more modern movies but i feel like every time i watch something from like the 70s 80s i'm much more likely to see like even male nudity you know Mm -hmm. but especially female nudity than i am watching anything more recent no definitely to me like you know and especially longer scenes too Mm -hmm. so i just i just thought that was that was just completely again one of those observations i made not really about the movie but just one of those things so just you know but be prepared for that i mean this scene is probably i don't know would you say about it could be like 10 10 minutes it's long yeah it's pretty long but it is like she had this encounter with this psychic and it's all that she can she thinks about these sisters and she reconnects with her husband and it did her a lot of good and i think 
you know, I, I can imagine being told that your, especially child, I think any family member or even friend that you loved so deeply that was taken from you, whether it be suddenly or not suddenly is, you know, you're told that they're at peace would bring you a lot of peace, but especially a child. Yeah. A young child. Well, that's definitely, basically, that's the theme of the movie is yeah. these psychics help this wife get over her grief of losing her daughter. But yeah. unfortunately, the man has been sh so shut down that he doesn't deal with it. And that's what ends up killing him in the end. Yeah. Because he can't. And I don't blame him. You know, it, yeah. it, this is kind of an unfortunate film about grief mm -hmm. and not being able to face it or deal with the unknown too you know and I totally get it like I would be very weary if a psychic walked up to me at a meal and was like oh your kid is laughing in between you I'd be like can you just fuck off and let me eat god yeah. well especially he's the one that found her he's the one that pulled her out of the river he's the one that tried to bring her back you know it's a yeah. lot on him yeah definitely and you know especially for I, I, this isn't a pretentious artistic movie but it's definitely not a horror movie like it's not there are there's some blood but it's not like gory by any means it's definitely more it's definitely an introspective film you know it's mm -hmm. very emotional and he has to it, it you can tell there's a lot of in I feel like this would be a really good book you it know it's actually a book it came well, from a short novel there you go. It was probably really good because there's got to be a lot of inner dialogue there. Mm -hmm. And I would love to get some of that because I feel like his inner dialogue would be a really great addition to what you're getting. So, yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't get to read this one and I kind of wish I had, but yeah, it is a book. Well, you can do that too, you know? Mm -hmm. And the other thing is too, water and then the color red are just strewn throughout this film they're yeah. definitely big themes and they're really striking in the beginning one of the first notes i made was you know you said that the kind of droplet of when it turns into blood in the beginning mm -hmm. it matches completely when he lifts her out of the water because she's wearing like this almost red raincoat looking thing and her mm -hmm. body's in shape it's just very it's interesting like it, it just looks good but yeah, like it's a very movie. artistic and very beautiful movie. Yeah, it is. So another thing is after this encounter with these psychics, he keeps seeing what looks like his daughter in this red outfit running around Venice. And almost he keeps not, not necessarily chasing it. He does have a few instances where he'll kind of like scuttle off for a second. But that comes back later as him kind of tapping into these not powers but these kind of premonitions that he's able to have also there's been murders going on yep. in the background serial killer yep the sisters are they keep coming back they keep running into them and also she the wife is not closed off to them she i mean imagine you know and, and i'm gonna bring up hereditary for a second you know how the the mom felt a very close connection to the woman that lost a granddaughter and grandson. Then did, excuse me grandson and then did a seance to talk to him you feel connected to people that either give you some sort of lifeline like a seance or that have also lost someone they gave her the ability to feel closure and also 
you know, she mentioned, can you reach them? Because they keep popping up, you know, they're mm-hmm. just kind of around. So she sees them one day at her husband's work site and goes to talk to them. And like, she's like, can you, can you reach her? And she is kind of like, I mean, she basically says, I'm not just like a telephone for you to like call your loved ones, you know, right? but you know, we can, we can just see what happens basically. So she's trying to convince her husband that like, that's something they should go do. And she really wants to do it because of course, if you have this huge moment of a, you know, breakthrough with your grief, you're going to continue to try to get even better. So mm-hmm. of course she wants to go back and explore that. But her husband, as we know, is obviously going to be like, no, those people are crazy because he doesn't want to explore this route. He doesn't want to open the floodgates for himself, essentially. Right. So, but he wants to be there for his wife because one, he saw the, the change in her after this moment. So he mm-hmm. wants to go support her. So they go and they basically go and hold this seance to try to contact their daughter, Christine. And this is the first time that we hear that they feel that he is in danger. Right. And when they get back to their home, which is, I think a hotel, they say it, they're staying in a hotel. And so are these sisters staying in a hotel, I believe. And that he's in danger and he must leave. They want him to leave Venice or they say that the daughter is telling them that her dad needs to leave Venice. That's the message she's trying to get across to them. And John is like at the end of his rope at this point with this. And he actually like gets sick at this point. He's overwhelmed. And that night they receive a phone call that their son has been injured in an accident at his school. Now we find out that this was minor, but his wife gets on a plane to England. So now he's alone in Venice. Yeah. But while he is alone, he, a lot of shit happens. He thinks he sees his wife with those women on a but boat. But he sees her on a, in a funeral procession. Right. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And he also almost fucking dies while she's gone. Mm-hmm. In his church, he's up high on basically this not OSHA approved, but the, that wasn't a thing. In the, we're not in the United States and it's the 70s, but it's just very, I'm trying to get the point across that it's not safe, but he's really high up and it something like a board or something crashes through it and it smashes it up and he's hanging like, I don't know, oh, many, many feet above the ground. So if he falls, he's going to probably fucking die, break his back or something terrible, you know, his men save him. Yeah, but he looks at that as a scene because his wife had already told him that you're going to die here. So he definitely looks at that as a sign of, I'm going to die. I should leave. And he goes to the hotel and he packs and he's ready to go. And then he sees his wife on this funeral barge. And he's like, what the fuck? She's still here? I thought she left. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. And he also goes to the police to try to say that, like, his wife is with these sisters and they're sketchy. And so he... I don't know, like, my first thought would be, call where your wife is supposed to be. But that doesn't come until, like, way later. <laughs> like, yeah. that should have been your first, like, try to call your wife. You know? Agreed. Instead, he's just running around Venice, like, randomly. Maybe she'll be around this corner. Which is a, it's a pretty big city. Yeah. You know? 
pretty big city. So he still believes that she's in England and he is also concerned about like her mental state. And especially because there's a serial killer running around, he goes and says that she is, has disappeared. And the police are obviously like sketched out and they're kind of suspicious of him because he's kind of, he also kind of looks like he's, you know, a little unhinged, you know, mm-hmm. not gonna lie. and they don't find Laura, his wife or the sisters. And we still see this, you know, the, what looks like his daughter running around in this red coat, this red, like raincoat. Right. But then we finally get the son's school on the phone and oh my god his wife is in england no way no fucking way <laughs> and he's like where are you and i'm like didn't you did, did you not talk to the people that called you from england like the night before or the <laughs> night you know like the, what did you think they just all flew to england or to italy and they were like you got punked <laughs> here. exactly and obviously he's like what the fuck because he knows he saw his wife like it's you don't just mistake your significant other, you know, right. so that's fair. Like he's skeezed out. I totally understand that. But then he goes back to the police and he's like, Oh, I found her. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, okay. <laughs> but then they had brought the sisters in for or one of the sisters in for questioning because they found her and she's the blind one. And she's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, man. How scary. Yeah. And so he's like, obviously feels super fucking, he feels like a dickhole. Because you're poor old blind woman in this police station. Not only that, but is she psychic? And she's like, you are not going to, like, the things that I am, like, experiencing in a place like this right now. I can't see anything. My sister's not here. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm so fucking sorry. So he takes her back. Yeah, he takes her back to the hotel. His wife is also on her way back because her son's fine so this was all like a caveat to get her out have this weird experience and now she's coming back and so she's returning and but while he's taking the blind psychic sister back she goes into this weird little episode and he's he's been uncomfortable around them from the get-go but then she goes into one of her little episodes where her sister's like holding her down and she's like i'm not gonna say like seizure you know convulsing like a seizure kind of like a seizure yeah definitely going through it (laughs) you know (laughs) he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna go like good luck you know (laughs) and the other sister you know she's like go get him go get him and so he's running away and the other sister is like coming after him because she's like something terrible is about to happen to him but of course he's running away and he's not gonna listen to them And so he goes and he sees the little thing in the red coat and he's like, I'm gonna run after it this time, even though he's seen like all these, all this weird shit, I would just go home Mm -hmm. and barricade myself in my room, wait for my wife to come home and be like, let's go home. Right. You know, like there's just too much weird shit. We got like, even if like, I just he's scared of these sidekick sisters and i get that so maybe just like leave right like weird shit's been happening to you you thought you saw your wife in like a funeral procession you didn't okay maybe you're just losing it because you're going through so much grief maybe go home see a psychiatrist (laughs) chill out for a little while stop working you know what i mean spend some time with your kids kid whoever how many ever many kids you got left 
chill out for a little while, you know? Mm-hmm. But no. No. No, 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 we don't do that. We chase the thing that you shouldn't be chasing, especially Correct. because he's even yelled at his wife. Our daughter is dead, 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 dead. Literally like over and over said the word exactly. dead. But he's going and chasing the thing that looks like his daughter. Because this is proof he hasn't gotten over it. He hasn't dealt with it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He's not as like, I'm a big strong man that can deal with things. Exactly. He just, it was just denial this whole time. And now it's going to get him killed. Yep. Because his wife is back now and runs into the women. Because apparently Venice has two blocks (laughs) right and they're like something terrible is gonna happen we have to find him but instead he catches up with the you know creep the little little girl person yeah but it's just a little person that has a meat cleaver and gets him in the neck that's been killing people yeah that's yeah so pretty much he's had this entire time premonitions look like or like visions of his own death so seeing his wife in the funeral procession he was seeing his own funeral procession and he realizes this pretty much as he's dying yeah so too little too late maybe you know and his wife manages to make it to the thing to watch him die make make it to a gate she can't actually get to him because he locked it did they just leave keys around for you to walk (sighs) your food in venice i know right that's my my only thing. Like as soon as he locked that, I was like, "Oh, cool! You can just lock the." See, the, he came to restore this church, and the mayor was like, "Oh my god, thank you so much! Here's keys to all of our gates." <sighs> yeah, that was my only like little yeah. thing. Little thing. Yeah. And uh, then so, we see the funeral procession at the very yeah. end, and the wife has brought the son to Venice, and she's there with the psychic lady and her sister, and they're going into a church for his funeral. And that's which the is end. Just- awful like she lost a kid and then she lost her husband yep now she is a single mom god how much grief can one person take (laughs) right you know like over our lives obviously we will have a lot of loss because people die that's just what happens but like for your child to drown and then for your husband to be murdered within let's say a year like i think i would I know you have like a kid left so like you have something to live for but like yeah how do you live through that you know I know it's just a movie but god damn this shit happens to people though you know not like this story but like lost like that like god yeah no thank you fuck so you know my only thoughts are before we talk about like trivia I'm not gonna rate it yet we'll get there but my my thoughts were like it it's like an hour 50 i think mm-hmm. and there were some scenes where i felt like it just could have been cut down a little bit because it felt really long to me and there were a couple times where i really wanted to like get distracted by something else mm-hmm. so overall i felt like it was a pretty good film there were just a couple times where i did get bored so that's my only comment i guess yeah with that now i feel like a lot of it is because you know i didn't know that it was a book before or a short like novella i feel like a lot of that is filled in with like that dialogue that you don't get mm-hmm. so i you know that would probably be you know explained and helped 
so but you know a lot of the themes that are there and a lot of him like walking around and when it's quiet and they're not doing anything is him like noticing things and so you know and then some scenes are just really long because they're significant and i get that but i was like oh my god this is a long scene so mm -hmm. those are mostly my only comments it's filmed very well it's very pretty and it's very emotional so all of the things they were trying to hit they did well agreed the i didn't write down who the director was but he did an amazing job trivia so this is actually tim curry's favorite horror film which i think is awesome i could definitely see that <laughs> especially the sex scene right uh, and speaking of the sex scene the sex scene was actually the first scene that was shot of this film so oh this, nice to meet you get naked yep the director was like let's just get it over with but Donald Sutherland did say in an interview that it was very not sexy. It was incredibly awkward because they were in this little room, just the two of them, the cinematographer and the director, and the the cameras were really loud. So you kept hearing that echo. It was hard to hear. And then occasionally you'd hear the director shout, lick her nipple or stuff like that. Put your hand between oh, her legs. God. <laughs> yeah, was not sexy. But it was a really good, well done scene, so... I mean, you couldn't tell, especially because this style of filming is very choppy. Like, mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like, you know, action films when they don't have, like, enough continuity to film, like, straight through. And there's, like, a lot of explosions and, like, cutting right. the scene so you don't see that they're, like, not actually doing the stunts. Um, but I'm not saying they didn't actually do it. But you don't. They have to make sure that they don't show too much, like a penis, or, you yeah. know, not like pornographic, so they can still show it in theaters. So they have to be very careful. But it was still like, I was, it was pretty like Cinemax, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was definitely like, is this porn? Is this porn? It's pretty. I, I mean, I was, I was watching it at like 10 o'clock in the morning and I was like, I'm awake. What? <laughs> I'm awake. <laughs> You know, the uh, talking about, I guess we'll talk about sex scene more too. When you throw people in like that, I, I feel like it's one of those things where the actors probably, I mean, they had to know that was coming. Something they were going to have to you do. Know. I just, you know, if I had to sign on for a movie like this as like an actor or actress, I would just want like a few scenes. To get before. to know your co-host? Yeah, yeah, you know, like, be, you know, gets, let's do like a few of the, you know, let's be married or even like had they, you know, because there's a scene where they're like naked in the bathroom together and she's in the bathtub and he's just like brushing yeah. his teeth. Can we do that first so you can like see my naked body and I can see yours and we can just be like, hey, you know, what's right, up? exactly, <laughs> yeah. Because good Lord, like, man, that is so awkward. Yeah, I feel like when directors do the sex scene first thing, it's like trial by fire. <laughs> You're going to do this, well, period. Yeah, at that point, like, contracts are already signed, so you yeah. got to do it, you know? It's like, <laughs> but, you know, I get the, I guess that makes the rest of the film. There's, I'm sure there's a method to it. You know, if we get the most awkward, intimate, like, you are going to be on top of each other for hours today, rolling around in bed, your bits are going to be rubbing together like you know yeah. you're gonna, the rest of the movie is going to be no problem <laughs> you know, you're going to have some sort of chemistry because that you, you, you did that so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it, it wasn't like out of all now i will say it was the music was beautiful it was very romantic even mm -hmm. they bring the music back when he's dying and thinking about it and it is it is very it is, it is a beautiful scene. It's, it's a, you know, 
there's a lot there's a lot but you know that's that's just one little part it's just very so it's significant because the movie made it significant not because we're making it significant just right. to clarify just be prepared when you watch it if you're watching it with friends or god forbid your parents if y'all are cool like that just know what's coming <laughs> it's long and they do these little cut scenes of them getting ready but it's it's very those are short little reliefs in between so just know what you're getting yourself into when you're going to watch the film so i would probably okay so honestly when i was watching this movie i would probably give it a three but reflecting i've been doing a lot of reflection ratings this year you know because it's hard so like when you're watching a movie you do one thing but then you sit there for a while and you think about it mm-hmm. you know? and that's what's cool about film you know Agreed. it does a lot so i'd probably raise my rating to a four yeah I was already gonna give a straight four I wouldn't give a five it's not one of my favorites but it was a beautifully done film I'm so happy I've finally seen it and it was amazing watch it four out of four out of five for me yeah so collectively the film gets an eight yeah you know so for the exorcisters we do an eight yeah so eight out of ten you know four out of five solid amount yeah yeah so yeah, we hope you enjoyed this review of Don't Look Now. And I you know, at first I was like, why is it called that? And then it clicked when I was like, oh, because of the bitch running around. God. Because of the bitch running around. <laughs> so yeah, we hope you enjoyed this. You know where to find us on all of our social medias, hopefully by now. And if you would like to join our Patreon family, we really appreciate you, patrons. You can go over there. It is patreon.com slash the extra sisters podcast for all the extra content and fun stuff we got going on over there. We would love to have you. And next time, we have a New England folktale. Until then, stay creepy.